Welcome to Very Honored Frater BT's Esoterra Nerd Podcast, Episode 27, in which I interview Sora Clayito, also known as Isabella Shahira. But first... Rather than reciting words out of the tech dictionary, I thought it would be nice to run through the 57 perceptics. You've heard of the five senses? Check out the 57 perceptics. See if you can grok this. Time. Sight. Taste. Color. Depth, solidity, barriers, relative sizes, external, sound, pitch, tone, volume, rhythm, smell, touch, pressure, friction, heat or cold and oiliness, personal emotion, Endocrine states. Awareness of awareness. Personal size. Organic sensation, including hunger. Heartbeat. Blood circulation. Cellular and bacterial position. Gravitic self and other weights. Motion of self, motion exterior, body position, joint position, internal temperature, external temperature, balance, muscular tension, saline content of self, body. Fields magnetic. Time track motion. Physical energy. Personal weariness, etc. Self-determinism. Moisture. Self. Sound direction. Emotional state of other organs. Personal position on the tone scale. Affinity, self and others. Communication, self and others. Reality, self and others. Emotional state of groups. Compass direction. Level of consciousness. Pain. Perception of conclusions, past and present. Perception of computation, past and present. Perception of imagination, past and present. Perception of having perceived, past and present. Awareness of not knowing. Awareness of importance, unimportance. Awareness of others. 
Awareness of location and placements. Perception of appetites. Kinesthesia. The life and legacy of Ratter X from the OTO over here on Orange Grove in Pasadena. He was initiated by one of the founders of Jet Propulsion Laboratory. You should look into it. Sex and Rockets, Amazon. Our guest tonight is an old friend of mine. We used to drive around talking about Atlantis and talking a lot. Good times. You may have seen her in Beyond Lemuria, one of Polk Runyon's movies. So let's get to the interview, shall we? Welcome to the Esoteric Nerd Podcast, Sora. Thank you, Edward. I just finally saw Beyond Lemuria. It came out a long time ago. We filmed it on 2006, and uh, I think it got edited and uploaded to Amazon in 2007. I saw it on Netflix oh, really? a couple of years ago, yeah, so oh. it might still be there. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, that's good. Well, excellent work. Thank you. Both the uh, you 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 played both light and darkness like like everybody. Yeah, I think there's actually three characters that I represented in that film. You were an extra sitting behind William Morgan when Polk Runyon was giving the speech as Leslie, the professor, and then. Yes, I was. Uh, I think it's actually four characters. It's the background role which you spoke about, mm-hmm. and then I was the girl dancing in front of uh, right. William Morgan, and then I was the priestess for Sora Lily, or for Lily. Yeah. And then I was a Daryl Princess at the end. So that's four roles. They mentioned the Brotherhood of the One in the movie. I remember you talking about that when we were, used to hang out. Back in, oh. in the old days. <laughs> oh, the one. I actually don't remember that. I, I think, um, let's see, I, I think it's uh, the Brotherhood of the, the Draconian Brotherhood. Is that what you mean? Well, there was the Brotherhood of the Sons of Baal and the Brotherhood of the One. Oh, yeah, that's right. But that, that, was was not, a- that wasn't Lemuria. That was Atlantis. Yeah, that was a, a long time ago. That's when I was studying uh, all the Atlantean stuff and then was the Children of the Light of One and the Sons of Belial. The Children of the Law of One. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, and it was, uh, they were in charge of keeping the flame or whatever the story, version of the story was, the crystal or something, and then the the other brotherhood took over and misused it, and that caused the, the disaster? Well, I think what it is, it would be kind of like uh, the children of the law of one were more interested in transmitting consciousness through quartz crystal and through stones and through um, meditation. And the sons of Belial were more interested, more interested in technology mm. and, and into brainwashing. Right. And um, supposedly it was the sons of Belial that brought us all technology here to Earth. And it was the children of Law One that brought us yoga and consciousness and meditation. Yeah. 
Wow. So you have been a priestess in a few different contexts. I uh, was wondering, I'm not sure how many of those you want to comment on. So would you care to volunteer any of that information? Sure, I can volunteer some of it. Um, let's see. Um, I remember uh, when I first met you, if I recall right, it was 2002 mm -hmm. when I went to the Temple of Isis and I got... Uh, that was my first initiation, actually. And after that, um, I ended out with uh, Paul Clark. Oh, LVX.org. Yeah, yeah, that's... The Fraternity of Hidden Light. So I ended out with uh, Paul Clark in the Fraternity of Hidden Light. And then, you know, I spent like a few sessions with him and his group, and then... Um, he said, you know what, I know someone who would love to meet you. His name is Polk Runyon, and he invited us and our group to one of his seasonals, and I'm going to, I've decided to bring you along with the rest of the group. So we all went to the seasonal, and, um, and I uh, decided to come again outside of the group to the seasonals, mm -hmm. And then I went to one more seasonal, and then Poke asked me to um, to be in the role of Astarte in the Seven Gate seasonal. So I had to prepare for that role, and he said, but before you do the role, um, you should take a first degree, you know. Mm. And uh, so I took the first degree, and I prepared myself for the role, and it was extremely difficult role. I had to read all of the material and I had to rehearse and I had to come up with the costume and I had to rehearse speech and body movements. I had never really done acting of that sort. Most of the acting that I had done was of a hero and and like a bombshell and but this was different. This was an acting. This was a ritual. And I, it was really difficult, and I uh, finally did it. And then the next seasonal after that, he asked me to be a priestess. And so then I had to prepare myself furthermore to be a priestess and to un understand also more of the material and go deeper. And so I've been a priestess in not all the seasonals just whenever it's necessary I've been a priestess for Pokemon and in the uh, Church of the Hermetic Sciences mm -hmm. uh, for 10 years since 2005 nice then um, I became a novice priestess in uh, Order Templi Orientis in uh, 2007 but I'm currently not not active. Um, I live kind of far, and it's difficult for me to make it to a lot of the meetings. And yeah. I'm not active because of that. Uh, let's see. Being a novice priestess uh, for the Ecclesia Gnostica Catholica, um, it was a role in which I had to separate myself from, actually, from it. I had to separate myself from who I was in entertainment, the sexual personality that I had in entertainment, 
Um, I had to separate myself from that and reinvent myself, recreate myself as another entity. And um, it was actually a very difficult time um, because I had to develop my higher consciousness in sexuality and nothing that I possessed in acting or in the erotic world of entertainment actually could prepare me for this role. Hmm. This was a total sep separation, um, a reinvention of myself, but it of my higher consciousness. And I, um, I had to think about all kinds of things. I had to think about the implements, the chalices, uh, the meaning of the chalices, the grail, um, the host, uh, the cake of light, the pattern, uh, the costumes that I would wear, the colors that I would use, what they meant and how they would manifest in the ritual, and my speech, my intonation, who I wanted to represent as priestess, what character of the priestess I wanted to represent, did I want to represent a seductive priestess, or did I like a harlot, or did I want it to represent more of a, of some other type of um, formularium into being a priestess, and I had to, it was quite honestly a total different entity than anything that I had in my um, erotic career and in acting, and if you've seen me perform, and if you're uh, part of the Iglesia Gnostica Catholica, and if you see me perform, you'll know that it's another, it's another identity, it's another entity. Uh, you'll feel the presence in the room that there's somebody else there. Um, that it's not. If you see me in the films that I've done, if you see me in my work in in eroticism, and if you go and see me perform in the ritual, you'll know that there's another consciousness there. You'll you'll be able to tell the difference. This is not the same girl. Yeah. yeah. And um, this is very difficult for a lot of people to realize that, that I'm somebody else. They think it's acting. They think it's just like another role. And they don't realize that it's actually an entity. Um, and um, a lot of people don't really have any respect until they see the actual ritual. Uh, it's a quickly way to shut up a lot of people that are very disrespectful. I keep that portion of my life pretty separate to mostly to members of the church. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they've been with me for a long time and I actually don't open that that part of my identity that that consciousness, I don't, I'm not really open to it unless you're part of the church. Right. You're going to know me as somebody completely different unless you have been participating in the rituals with me for at least a few years. So when so, you're working as a starte, I mean, is it is it correct to say that? Or are you, when you are the priestess working with a starte, do you embody a starte? No, actually, in the Church of the Hermetic Sciences, the the title for the priestess is Field, and uh, she's not a starting. Okay. Uh, 
they separate the goddess from the priestess. The priestess title is field, and then the goddess is Astarte, or sometimes is Tanit. Mm-hmm. And there are different roles. I usually alternate either the goddess, which is Astarte, or Tanit, or the priestess role. So it just depends on what I'm needed for during the seasonal. So the role in the Ecclesia Gnostica you're connecting with, is it the Scarlet Woman? Um, would I... I represent myself more as Nuit. Okay. Um, and um, there's a lot of... Uh, you know, the way that... Uh, <laughs> um, She's like the scarlet woman there, um, but uh, my representation is more like Egyptian, you know, um, so yeah, you would have to be there to see it. <laughs> interesting. I'm just, um, I, I find it interesting working, the idea of working with the ancient Semitic goddess on the seasonal work and then also having worked with the Egyptian um, together. It's just sort of an interest. I, have you um, embodied any other goddesses uh, in your work or or gods? <clears throat> I, I've uh, seen you invoke Ra. Well, I've um, I've uh, done the Rite of Venus, and I've uh, been in the role of Venus in the Rite of Venus. Um, so I've uh, worked with Astarte. I've worked with Tanit, which is quite different from Astarte. I've worked with Anath. Um, I've worked um, with Venus. I've worked a lot with Ishtar. She's and with Inanna. Uh, let's see. I've worked with uh, Nuit. Um, I've worked with Isis. I've worked with like a lot of them. But as a priestess in front of a group of people and in ritual, I believe I've only worked with like four or five, which is. Um, Nuit, um, Astarte, Tanit, and Ma'at. But what I go through um, in the role of Astarte and what I go through in the role of Nuit, um, it's actually more like, I wouldn't say it's aspecting um, or a possession, I would say it's like a consciousness that descends. Um, I really don't know how it happens, you know, but it's more of a consciousness. It's yeah. a higher consciousness. It's not something in the realm of the de- of demonic. It's more. Um, right. It is more of a consciousness in a group setting. Um, I'm not the only one responsible for it. The whole group, with uh, you know, with the with the recitation of um, of the anthem and all these things help with this consciousness, you know. But it's definitely a higher yeah. consciousness. Were you always interested in esoterica, or did that develop at a certain age? When I was really young, uh, when I was about 16 years old, I, um, I borrowed from the library The Tree of Life by Israel Regardier, and I read it, and I began practicing a lot of the exercises. At that time, the book wasn't, it wasn't edited by, um, I guess, by 
Pat Saluski, I think, is the one that did the editing just recently. Um, so it was just basically uh, just his own material, and I did all the exercises sort of astral projection and the tatvas and the concentration. And um, he mentioned a little bit of Alistair Crowley at the end of the book, and I always kept in mind that I should that I should look out for him, but I never got to him. Um, I was so busy with the with the information from that book that I never got to him, and uh, he oriented me in the book more towards Kabbalah, uh, more than Alistair yeah. Crowley. So from that time on, I kept my eye out for Jewish temples where there would be the teaching of the Kabbalah, and um, let's see, I, I didn't touch anything for a long time. Uh, when I was about 19 years old, I read all the books of um, the teachings of Don, of Don Juan by Carlos Castaneda. And I oriented mm-hmm. myself more towards uh, shamanism. And then, um, so let's see what else. Um, let's see, around 21 years old, I started to read like a lot about fairies and dragons, and that wasn't a good place for me to go. I got caught in, in many dimensions and planes that I couldn't get out. Mm. Um, but I think the most successful of my experiences was with the Tree of Life. And um, I didn't advance in all of the initiations because I really found it uh, very difficult, actually, to go through everything. Um, So going to um, the Hermetic tradition of the Church of the Hermetic Sciences and the Thelemic tradition of the OTO was actually easier for me to understand than a lot of the information coming from the Golden Dawn. Um, It was of a different nature. I consider the Golden Dawn the toughest school of training in the Hermetic community. I considered it hard to the core, and I couldn't do it. It's just tough, you know? (laughs) You prefer one of the Protestant versions. Uh, So I just... (laughs) Or two of them. Yeah, so I just... uh, um, I actually did really well with a lot of the teachings of Aleister Crowley on light and on... um, Pretty much on light and on the Egyptian got raw on his interpretation. Um, I found it very, um, very uplifting and it resonated with me well. I actually absorbed it in a, in a higher magical plane. But I think the most of my success comes from the Church of the Hermetic Sciences, quite honestly. Yeah, I finally got to interview Poke Runyon a few, uh, a week ago or so. Yeah, yeah, he's quite a guy. <laughs> yeah, indeed. It's nice. It was a long time coming because I, uh, you know, I just had sort of, I, w- I think I wasn't meant to talk to him until a certain point. Like we were supposed to be separate. And then now it's like, oh, okay, you know, now I feel like it's my long lost brother that, why why haven't I been talking right. to him the whole time? Right. That happens with like a lot of people. Like you feel that that you don't resonate with them magically, that they're doing something wrong or you're doing some something wrong yeah. and it doesn't come together until much later. I had to grow up first. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, is there anything that you want to talk about, um, esoteric-wise or, or even otherwise? Uh... Well, um, I just would like to say that um, actually most of my um, area of research it concerns on, uh, you know, on Soma, on the Haoma, and on um, the cult of Mithras. And I realized that I'm a girl, but that area is really fascinating for me. I just basically studied all the books of the mysteries of Mithras and on the uh, on the fermented drink that they used to drink, whether it was a hallucinogenic drink or it wasn't, whether it was some potent drink of cherries uh, and that the actual qualities of the cherries itself made it um, primal for astral projection because... Um, the center of the cult was to be inside a mithraeum, and there used to be benches for reclining, and this is different. They didn't sit in lotus position for the reclination of, of astral projection. They just reclined, and they drank this, this drink that nobody knows what it is. It was either fermented or alcoholic or a hallucinogen or, or an entheogenic drink, and they astral projected through the seven planets. Um, they enter it and they exit it. And uh, so that was really fascinating to me that that there might have been some sort of hidden knowledge on astral projection that might not be depending on on an entheogenic drink or on a psychotropic. Um, and that we're just missing that and we're just doing all these drugs, you know, and hmm. instead of developing ourselves more, you know. Yeah. So you had said even though you're female, was that men only? Well, the cult of Mithras, the mysteries of Mithras, it's mostly associated for men. There is some talk that there were some women involved. They have found some tombs where where there are some dedications by some very powerful women in Rome to Mithras. But other than that, um, it's mostly considered to be a cult for men. Um, but, you know, there was a dedication from an actor to Mithras. And right around the time that I became actor is when I started to study the cult of Mithras. So I, I don't consider myself like the powerful Roman women who gave the dedications. I consider myself more like the actor that dedicated himself to Mithras. Well, thank you very much for joining us on the Esoterra Nerd podcast today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Sora, for joining us on the Esoterra Nerd Podcast tonight. Thank you to Henry Wolf and Nancy Hennings for providing the soundtrack to the 57 Perceptics. You can find those in 08. As a reminder, you might want to steer clear of that organization. Thank you to the monks at Mount Khoisan. Thank you to Camille and Kennerly. And of course, thank you... Hope you're having a good commute, or wherever you are right now. I'll talk to you soon. Good night.